0: Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon.
1: It's almost (laughs) as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something.
0: Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. (laughs) I feel like I just want to be like quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff.
1: Hello and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Mark Malachi Gray.
0: And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about only chapter 14 of Any Way the Wind Blows, because a lot happens.
1: It does. All right, so really quick, announcements we have extended our sticker club promo where if you join you get not only this month's sticker but also two stickers from our back catalog because we are going for 40 more subscribers than when we started this promo which will get us to 100 subscribers which seems like a really good number all of the stickers are great they're drawn by either me or friend of the pod theo and often me and Jesse and Theo I'll collaborate on them and We're really proud of them and want to share them with the world. So you can either join through our shop or you can join through our Patreon as like a combo sticker club Patreon thing. And if you do that, you save 50 cents per sticker plus shipping. So that's a total of like $1.16, I think.
0: And if you're wondering, currently on our Instagram at hashtag Ruthless you can see a sort of sampler of like some of our past stickers from this year. And if you're the kind of person who maybe doesn't necessarily want a like specific fandom sticker, but just wants like a fun, a fun, weird, gay sticker, we got you.
1: Yeah, all of the stickers that we have that are like fandom related, we always make them like general enough that they're just like a cool sticker, even if you have no idea what they're referencing or from. So we're, like, very on top of being like, yeah, but if someone's never watched Wednesday the series, would they still like this really rad sticker of, like, toxic flowers? Yes. Um, So that is a real sticker, everyone.
0: It sure is. So, yeah, you know, uh, if you're looking to get some cool mail, who doesn't love getting cool mail and a cool sticker to put on all of your stuff? Join our sticker club. You won't regret it.
1: Heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then also, reminder that we are doing a live recording of our episode about Rocky Horror for um, The Gaily Planet on October 19th. And tickets are available for that now. It's going to be super fun. Um, Tickets are $10 and it's on Zoom so everyone can come. uh, Check the show notes for links to both of those and also everything. And I think that's it. And now, Jesse, will you tell us all about Chapter 14?
0: We have an Agatha chapter, everyone. Yay. I
1: missed her so much.
0: I know. Our poor, traumatized queen uh, has been just chilling at home since the events of the last book, watching YouTube, and uh, turning shit in her bedroom to ash with her wand, because she sure as fuck not going to leave her wand behind anymore and let any of her past bullshit, damsel in distress shit happen again. Dr. Wellbelove, her dad, and possibly the only unproblematic dad of this, sh- of this series, gets Agatha out of the house and into a job at his catch-all medical practice. Uh, Agatha's doing a bit of everything, including being bossed around by the stern, butch, vet intern, the only one in in the UK world of mages, Neve. which is why Agatha's suddenly dealing with a shirtless Simon who's here to get his wings removed. Neve needs an extra set of hands because Simon is surprised, jumpy, about people he doesn't know, slash isn't attracted to, touching his wings. Agatha and Simon catch up a bit, And Simon is clearly unwell, which brings out uh, Agatha's protective instinct and a lot of feelings that she thought that she was over. Uh, Neve is about to leave because she's all business and does not want to witness this weird moment between where Agatha's crying, but is convinced to stay. Um, To distract Simon while Neve disinfects his wings, she talks about remembering being saved by Simon uh, at Watford during lacrosse practice, which Agatha played. So she's like, wait, do I know you?
1: Heck yeah. Alright, so we are going to start things off with easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I really struggled to put anything here today. Um truly the only thing I have is about like both Agatha and Neve talking about Simon's wings. Because Agatha says that he has devil wings, which I think is rude. And then Neve is like, I would never get a chance to dissect an actual dragon's wings, which I also think is rude because Simon is an actual dragon boy.
0: Yes. This is just really an all around uncomfortable medical situation for everyone. Which if you've ever had to deal with the US healthcare (laughs) system in a capacity where you feel like this is, a weird thing going on in your body that people don't want to talk about, you are familiar with. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why he's... I mean, I'm glad that he hasn't been put under because then they would be off and I don't want his wings off, but I don't understand why they're trying to do this without... with him conscious. Like, what? That's so weird.
0: Yeah. Maybe she's gonna... Maybe Neve is gonna use, like, a general anesthesia like they give you at the dentist or something but yeah it seems like a very a very complex surgery like it's like a limb yeah it has like nerve endings and blood vessels and it's like being like going to cut your leg off so let's just uh stand around while you're completely conscious anyway.
1: right yeah anyway what do you have here
0: um my first thing is uh at the beginning of this chapter we get agatha being like i might do any paperwork I haven't told anyone about what happened in, in America penny's probably going to do that shit anyway which I'm like Penny actually may have done that shit if she wasn't having a quarter-life crisis and avoiding her mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, of course, Agatha doesn't know, but it's pretty funny because I'm like, would be possibly (laughs) maybe
1: accurate. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm super team Agatha with that too, where it's like, does it matter? Honestly, probably not. I'm like, yeah, don't do work that you don't have to do.
0: (laughs) Never. Especially official document. Right. Hell no.
1: (laughs) I have nothing else here. I wasn't joking.
0: Okay. I had to be a little LOL sob that even the world of mages has a vet shortage. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So... I mean
1: they only have one doctor, so I guess it makes sense that there was only one vet and maybe he died prematurely and like didn't get a chance to like apprentice someone or something. But yeah, I actually kind of I had forgotten that Neve was like a vet apprentice and not just like a doctor apprentice. And so when I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah, an opening for Agatha to be a magical vet." And then I was like, "Oh wait, Neve's already filling that slot, and probably there's not really a need for more than one magical vet in this world, which I guess is fine because Agatha's going to be a magical goatherd." But,
0: but okay, what they probably do need though is a magical vet tech, True. I mean, everyone needs vet techs if you're a vet,
1: right? Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. We have a new character.
0: We have a new character, everyone. Um, I love this continuation of having a new book and a new character who is, number one, rat on their own, and then number two, clearly a love interest for one of our characters.
1: <laughs> yes. a I want to figure out a different word for that. Which we'll get into soon when we talk more about Agatha. Okay. Maybe people can write in and give us suggestions for like what Neve's role in Agatha's life is. But yes, I love our new queer autistic side main character.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my first note for Neve is literally a butch sporty dyke animal weirdo for the win. Yeah. (laughs)
1: totally yeah I think that Neve is like one of the most I don't want to say like autistic coded I mean I don't know it's not stated so I guess that means that it's like coded and not canonical but like this is just an autistic character and I'm like really stoked about it
0: yeah yeah I'm excited about a uh butch queer lady character because every friend group needs one It's true <laughs> and it's about time that this group of people got one (laughs) for real yeah
1: (sighs) yeah do you have anything else about neve
0: oh yeah so i just love agatha's perception where it's like that neve is just very serious and like studious but also Throughout the course of this chapter, like, the most unflappable. Totally. She's just like, oh, you've met a, a dragon? Whatever, that makes sense. And I'm like,
1: what? I know, oh my god, i had that too. Which also, I'm like, I think was one of the things where I, you know, I was just like, yes, this is an autistic character. Because Simon says, I met a dragon once, and Eve's just like, I'm not surprised. And, like, moves on. Even though you know that Neve wants to know more about Simon having met a dragon. And that's, I think that's why it feels so autistic to me where Neve is just like, you will tell me more if like, you know, like I shouldn't have to ask basically because like it wouldn't occur to her to be like, tell me more about that. And then Simon doesn't. And so the moment passes, but there's no chance that Neve isn't dying to know more information about that dragon you know
0: and i feel like and i don't know if we ever if we get this in the book but like i feel like neve is maybe also the only character that we see who is who i think very immediately is like oh this dragon boy okay and like no one else is like connecting the pieces about but simon is an act is actually a dragon like that's really what's going on and neve is the only one who's just like yep obviously right (laughs) i think right (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah. And of course, yeah. we have to bring up the fact that we end this chapter with her being like, it was I like you saving my life was cool, but it was also the most foolhardy thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. One of the best parts about having Neve in this book is getting to see everything about what Simon and Penny and Agatha's lives were like from a fully removed perspective you know Baz wasn't part of their let's save the day trio but he was so enmeshed with Simon that he's not a sort of neutral outside perspective whereas Neve is like literally just showing us like what did the rest of Watford see and perceive and experience as a part of this and I think that's what a fun character to have in this book.
0: Yeah. And I think honestly, and maybe this is also sort of my thinking based on like how much I loved those, the comic about, what is it like the background Slytherin?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like
0: people who are just so removed from like the sort of, Intense battle against good and evil. They're just like, I'm just trying to have lacrosse practice and all of a sudden a twelve year old boy with the sword is here. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. Where are the adults? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so Agatha? I think a lot of Agatha's stuff obviously has to go and face the truth because it's about trauma. Yeah. So, what I want to talk about with Agatha is a uh, message that we got on Patreon about our reading of her as, what is it, allosexual, but aromantic, right? Because I think, you know, obviously, this is not a spoiler free podcast. Agatha and Neve develop a more than friends relationship through the course of this book. And so I want to read this now so that we can all be like holding this in our minds as we move forward through the book. So, the message says, I completely agree with your take on Agatha's orientation. I am a romantic and not asexual and I strongly relate to her and how she seems to feel about sex and romance. She seems to have a very strong connection to sex and an extreme disconnect between romance. In the third book, particularly when she is talking about Simon when he has his shirt off, she seems fixated on the fact that they used to have sex and seems to grieve being able to touch him rather than being loved by him. A lot of allo-romantic people seem to feel melancholy about not being able to have sex with past romantic partners because of the romantic connection they have to having sex with that person. Even the way she interacts with Neve is very sex and friendship driven. She wants to evolve their relationship while also being very focused on her looks, but she does not read as in denial about being romantically attracted to a woman, especially since when she clearly wants ginger, she's aware of it and open about it to herself. The I wish I wanted to kiss her line very clearly reads as I wish I wanted a passionate romantic relationship when what she clearly wants is a tender sexual and platonic or queer platonic relationship. That's why the kiss with Neve is so important because it's her way of feeling close to her in a really tense situation while letting her know that she really doesn't hate Neve. She doesn't seem to be expressing romantic interest at all, but rather a tenderness and sexual interest she has rarely felt for other people. Her way of saying you are special to me without saying I like you or I love you. I relate to her and haven't listened ahead yet, but I think the story is more interesting when you read her this way. So, yeah. And that's totally how I have felt about Agatha and Neve's relationship, which is why I was like, I don't want to say love interest because I don't think this is a romantic relationship that they're developing. I think this is like a totally aromantic friendship that is also going to involve them like being sexual with each other and like being, there has to be a word for what it means when it's like, we are a romantically partnered and, have sex um i just don't happen to know what that is so hopefully someone does know and will let us know
0: yeah no i agree i agree with this reading wholeheartedly i'll do some research Maybe we can find some some good terminology
1: yeah um yeah all right so in order to talk more about agatha in this chapter we're gonna have to move to a new segment welcome to face the truth where we talk about things that are fucked up
0: yeah um i feel like my first thing is just like uh agatha's really big uh c ptsd mood of just like watching shit in bed and disassociating (laughs) for real which is like mm, my favorite way of dealing of not dealing with my trauma and it just like I feel a lot of empathy for her in the beginning of this chapter where she's like both disassociating and also just like, I cannot let these bad things happen to me again. I'm not ever leaving my wand behind. It just really sucks.
1: Yeah. I feel like you can feel the sort of mental emotional disconnect that she has even when she is sort of, you know, practicing destroying shit so that this will never happen again and you know she says by it I mean kidnapped by vampires and I also mean hidden at the bottom of a well and I also mean chased by werewolves and I also mean treed by a dire hog but it doesn't feel like the emotional intensity that goes with all of that is totally lacking like she's totally dispassionate in the way that she's thinking about this and in the way that she's destroying the shit in her room I think it yeah right now There's nothing in her room that she cares about enough to not turn it to ashes. Even if in a like literally ten minutes from now, if she left and came back in a different state of mind, she might be like, "Oh shit, I really, I really liked that rug. I really wish I hadn't done that." But right now, yeah, she doesn't have access to those kinds of feelings, you know.
0: Which is like, yeah, again, deeply understandable Mm -hmm. because it's just been, I mean. To be honest, the past two books from Agatha's perspective are very shitty. She's gone through a lot of bullshit. Yeah. And like Simon, I'm like, you could also be in therapy.
1: <laughs> oh God, yes. So, so much therapy. I also think that Rainbow Rowell does an incredible job because we it's very clear through all of the books that Agatha has trauma from sort of the whole thing, but the thing that comes up most consistently is the situation with the well. And it's like, this is the the thing that her brain has chosen to be like, this was my too much moment, you know? Even though clearly there are so many moments that it could be, but like, that was the one that, you know, I feel like when you have CPT CPTSD, there will be just like one instance that is the thing that like triggers your trauma response more than like everything else sort of bleeds into like one background trauma and then there are these like bright points of like too much trauma you know
0: yeah and i mean not that i want to actually go down this thought experiment but i feel like being trapped in in a well sounds terrifying Mm -hmm. like as someone who has intense claustrophobia, hell the fuck no. I know. Yeah, I could defi- I definitely can see why that would stand out as just a, like, what is my life that I'm in the bottom of a, like, 20 feet deep or a 10 feet deep well and cannot get out.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, what else do you have here about Agatha?
1: I think that's, what, that's it, really.
0: Oh, just wanted to bring this up, where I actually really appreciate her dad being like, you need to leave the house, so now you're working with me. Because even when you're messed up in the head, having things to do and, like, not be laying in bed is often nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, Simon? Yeah. The His whole state in this chapter is, like, so visceral. Like, it just makes my body curl in on itself, like Simon's wings curling in on his back. It's holy shit, it's so evocatively written in a way that's like, fuck, stop, I don't want to read this.
0: The uh, medical trauma of it all is very realistic. Um, Also, Simon is such a mess here. It's so sad. Like, I'm glad that Agatha is here because I'm like, you would have been doing this by yourself, my dude. It's it's a good thing the world of mages is the size of a quarter and the agatha happens to be working with her dad the only doctor in an in like an immediate area for you to be having this procedure right or the only person in the uk if you'd be having this procedure at so because like uh just like the thought if you do this by himself it's like you would have hurt someone or yourself from yeah, just totally. like flinching for having someone touching your wings in a way that you haven't quite realized is like, you, you can't, like, he's trying to, like, force himself through. And I'm like, you don't have to do that, my dear.
1: I know. Yeah.
0: Oh, and the fact that he's like, I, I don't think I've slept since Utah. And I'm like, dude, sleep deprivation is literally a thing they use to torture people. Like, it's not, it's not good. And I'm right. like, oh, Simon, you are not in a place to be making these kind of, like, intense life-changing decisions.
1: I know. Yeah, it's a lot. Oh, it's so much. Ugh.
0: I know. And like, maybe because uh, listeners, for those of you who aren't listening to any of our other podcasts we've been talking about, um, we're going through the His Dark Material series where touching someone's demon is bad Mm -hmm. unless you're, it's like in an intimate, loving kind of way. And it just like, I couldn't help but be reminded about this where Simon is like, it's like deeply physically uncomfortable him for have Neve like touching his wings. And I'm like,
1: Uh. I know I seriously I was like oh it's again like in the golden compass it's like someone describing getting an IUD (laughs) like that's basically what what Simon is describing welcome to caught in a landslide where we rant about stuff
0: do you want to start you want me to start
1: Uh, I mostly just have, like, the awkwardness of Agatha and Simon trying to, like, Agatha's trying to be comforting. Simon is trying to, like, be okay with being comforted. And, you know, just the X-ness of it all is just really awkward.
0: Yes, let's talk about the uncomfortable X-ness of this (laughs) situation.
1: It's made so much more uncomfortable by the fact that like Neve doesn't know that they're not together anymore too so I feel like you can feel the weight of her expectations of what this should look like in addition to you know the vibes that are happening between Simon and Agatha
0: yeah yeah and I think not to mention also probably a little bit of like me being like I really don't want to be here for whatever personal shit is happening like I'm just trying to do my job right (laughs) and it's yeah it's just it's very awkward for everyone
1: everyone uh what's your first thing
0: uh okay so first off I don't think we've gotten a description of Agatha's wand until this chapter. Her wand is mid-century modern.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's like so interesting because I feel like the only magical implements that we've gotten are things that are sort of could be anywhere in time, right? Like even a belt buckle could be from who even knows how long. Yeah. Whereas this is like was made I should I just looked it up was made after nineteen oh nine I think is when Bakelite was yep. patented. Mm-hmm. So yeah it was probably like made new for her grandfather. We've never really seen a a magic implement that recent
0: which honestly for me brings up so many more questions though. Like how like how did this get made? Like did you magic some plastic those are like a DIY like bake light mold and he'd like work in a factory and was like let me just steal a little bit of this stuff for my wand you know and I know this is like not what the series is about and I think part of that is also to distance himself from the very wand lore heavy Harry Potter series but I also would like to know more about wands in this world because right like how do you have a wand with a plastic handle <laughs>
1: What if someone just like, I don't know. I was just like, maybe someone was like, "Oh, it's urgent," and they just took apart like a screwdriver with a big, light handle, and (laughs) put some wood on. You know.
0: I mean, maybe. I'm really curious about this process. Besides having, they have this beautiful, like this like beautiful vintage looking wand.
1: I know (laughs) it does sound great.
0: Uh, It sounds so. It sounds so pretty. Uh, I was trying to find a, like, color match on the internet. I'm actually just going to text this to you. It's a red brake light and wood ring. And it's very pretty. And I'm like, you just... Ooh.
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: It just sounds super classy. I don't know. (laughs) And the way that, like, fun and, like, mid-century modern vintage stuff is. Anyway, that was a very big digression to everyone about my love of vintage stuff. (laughs)
1: Alright, um, my only other thing is just like a brief Neve's bedside manner really, really does suck. <laughs> Agatha's correct. The thing that she says where Agatha's like, he looks so uncomfortable and Neve is like, it's an amputation. Uncomfortable is the best case scenario. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> you know, I gotta say that Considering some of the stories that Nicole has told me about the medical residents that she's worked with um, at her job, uh, this honestly, unfortunately, seems par for the course <laughs> about knowing a lot of things about anatomy and like medical stuff does not necessarily translate to a good bed. Best- like, people, like, it's something you need to teach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. totally.
1: Yeah content warning listeners for like gross medical stuff for the next like 1.5 minutes. When Evan was in the hospital for like a month with like Crohn's complications and stuff, they had to do this like extremely painful procedure to him every day to deal with a like abscess that he had and the like meds, it was a teaching hospital, right? So the like med students, residents, whatever, who were doing it most days, it was just terrible like they couldn't do it unless I was there to like hold his hand so I would have to like leave work and go like be there for you know 45 minutes and they had to give him like so many drugs every day to do it and then one day it was a lady doctor and she just like chatted with him about like her life and his life and what was going on and they gave him like half the amount of painkillers that the other doctors had to give him and he was like chill The whole time because she was like good at people and like kind. It's like, I don't know. It just made me like so mad. Like the next day when the dudes came back, I was like, I hate all of you now. Actually. (laughs) Turns out it doesn't have to be like this. And I am extremely resentful about you now.
0: It is. It is very. It is very real. I'm like, how come no one is actively teaching you this? Like, is there not a whole class about peopling in them, like, medical situation when people are in pain and stressed out and are, like, scared? Because there should be.
1: Right, because you don't even have to be genuinely good at it, you know? Like, you can, like, fake having a good bedside manner. It's really a formula that you can just follow to, like, make your patients comfortable and at ease and feel, like, cared for, so...
0: And I mean, she does a good job later, like, towards the end, where she's like, let me tell you about the times that you saved my life at Watford. It's like a distraction, which is good, Betsy. Right. Exactly. So.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, Well, speaking of doctors, um, normally I would not say this, but us learning in this chapter that Dr. Wellbelove is not only whatever area of England's, like, only magical doctor but the only vet in this world of mages is like you're not getting paid enough like vets aren't getting paid enough anywhere um and I'm like that just sounds that just sounds like burnt like how do you not burn out that sounds so intense and it's just like hey I'm here because I like spilled a weird potion I have it's weird glowing burn and also my cat is vomiting <laughs> can you can you check like
1: I do want to say, though, (laughs) that we learned in a previous book that there aren't enough magicians for him to be busy. He sees normal clients, too, because, like, there's the population of mages is so small. So I actually think he's probably not that overworked necessarily. Or, like, if he starts feeling too overworked with the vet stuff, he just sees, like, less of his normal clients, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it really is, like, such a tiny population of people. Um, are you done here?
0: I have one more thing. Agatha has this bit where she's like, if I woke up with these wings and a tail, I would get rid of them immediately. And I'm like, oh, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? I, who like, better, it's like better than, like. Whatever bullshit DIY self-protection shit I I always carry. Who's going to... Someone's fucking with me? I have, like, spiky dragon wings to either fly away or to fight them. That sounds awesome.
1: I mean, just being able to fly sounds great, you know? Being
0: able to fly... You could just go wherever. You don't have to wait for a bus. Yeah. Listen.
1: I might get rid of the tail, but, like, wings, they're staying.
0: I guess it depends on how important the tail is for staring, which... Who knows? Right. Definitely seems more inconvenient because altering, t- altering shirts and jackets seems easier than trying to figure out how to sit with a tail.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy? Where we talk about magic and science and magical science. We only get one new spell, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust
0: hmm
1: does what it says on the tin great spell seems very dangerous
0: <laughs> very dangerous but like i think it's it seems to be a very good catch-all if you're like a little bit like i don't want any bad people to fuck with me
1: <laughs> yeah also i was like oh why didn't anyone i mean i know simon's like bad at magic or whatever but this seems like it would have been a very useful spell to know to like get rid of that goblin body at the beginning of the first book for instance you know
0: mm-hmm. just yeah
1: sweep up the mess <laughs> so.
0: yeah definitely a good way to get rid of vampires it seems
1: like definitely that
0: just you know you have you have that spell almost like little handheld vacuum cleaners no one no one knows nothing
1: so exactly <laughs> you just turn your wand into like a the thing that people use to get grass out of their yard after mowing
0: one of those, like, leaf blowers?
1: That's it, yeah.
0: <laughs> you just have to fix your wand to a leaf blower. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah, what do you have?
0: All right, I think we talked about all of my uh, bake Light points, so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about... Obviously, we get a couple of great animal puns here. We get uh, dire hog, which... I have to say, because I had to look up, because dire wolves are real animals, okay. Um, and I had to be like Rainbow Rowell, are you going by IRL dire wolf rules or Game of Thrones dire wolf rules, where the dire in that series are the get to be the size of horses? And considering that in real life, like ancient dire wolves were really the size of modern day gray wolves, which is still smaller than the size that wild boars can get. I'm like, I'm going to go for a gigantic horse-sized hog, which is terrifying.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, Yeah, and then we get pain deer. I want to know, like, what fucking nerd was responsible for naming all of the magical world critters? Did someone just sit down to, like, write a bestiary and that someone just happened to be, like, the biggest fucking dork in the world? And... God bless them.
0: I imagine in whatever Rainbow Rowell's like group chat or whatever the equivalent is for writers to be like, "Hey, I need some like funny, dangerous animals." Someone's like, "I got you."
1: Yeah, <laughs> because, well, I mean in worlds. I want to know. Yeah, you know,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they're all puns or almost. Yeah, mostly all puns.
0: I guess considering how small the world of mages is, and it seems like. And scientists, like biologists, in IRL are already kind of weird. I'm imagining there must just be some seriously weird biology, like magical biologists. That makes sense. Yeah. Ages. All right. So we get some, you know, dialogue from Neve examining Simon's dragon wings, and he has hair, like little baby, like baby peach fuzz on the inside of his dragon wings, which is like somehow the most precious thing. Agreed. Like, he's these gnarly, like, stereotypical 1970s book cover fantasy dragon wings with, like, giant spikes on the end, but also peach fuzz on the ends.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Oh, uh, it's so cute. Uh, yeah, and then I guess my last thing is just a little bit about reindeers, which is apparently they have the largest antlers out of all of the deer species, hmm. which is, for example, males have... 51 can get up to having 51 inch tall antlers and females can have 20 inch tall antlers, which I feel like pain deer probably have just more antler, like just more giant antlers. Or like
1: spikier 51 inches. That's like yeah. how tall you have to be to ride a roller coaster. <laughs> Your antlers could ride a roller coaster by themselves. <laughs> like ginormous. Amazing.
0: Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, and it doesn't seem like reindeer really attack people, so I'm sure if you had a species, a magical species that attack people, it would be a pain deer, because it sounds like it hurts a lot.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> <sighs> okay. We good? We're good. Alright, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Next time we'll be talking about chapters 15 and 16. Don't forget to check the show notes for all of the things, and until next time. Scottish.